Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed talking this morning about one of the biggest risks to your financial plan. I could say that also one of the biggest risks to your portfolio, and that is the potentially significant cost of long-term care. Not a topic that everybody loves uh, discussing, but we are discussing it nonetheless, and it's a risk that... uh, any most all people face uh, risk Correct, anyway yeah. um and and so i think it's important to get this information out and let people know that there are ways to cover the risk uh, should they decide to plan ahead for it um so my guest this morning is been on the show with me several times, Lisa Silva. She's with Gallagher uh, Benefit Services, AJG.com, to find out more about Lisa and her firm. Um, but she knows all things insurance, particularly long-term care. So um, discussing today the, those policies and, um, I don't know, sort of led up to why they're priced the way that they're priced. And, you right. know, everyone everyone hears that they're expensive. And I, I just kind of wanted to talk through that a little bit and explain why they're expensive. And I and I can't say that they're not expensive, but that's a relative term, number one. Correct. Um, but but I, I can't deny that. But I think it's important to, ex, you know, talk through it and explain why and, and explain that I, I do still think that it has its place in the world for a lot of people that have... Um, assets to protect and and um, and in particular kids to protect it for um, or beneficiaries maybe not necessarily kids but but people that they want to protect their portfolio for um, so I want to take it into designing policies a little bit I, I wanted yeah. to talk about this because I do think that some people either in conversations with me or or just in their minds I think they kind of write this insurance coverage off as it's expensive. I don't want to spend money on that. Um, I can't afford it. You know, maybe right. sort of making some assumptions in that regard. Um, or, I, you know, and I, I, I always say, I think a small policy is better than none at all because, you know, you and I know that it's quite likely that, that someone would go through a period of time as they age where they would need help caring for themselves, right? And you talked about the activities of daily living. And like I said earlier on the show, it's, you know, no one, very few people or or very, very few people envision themselves in an assisted living or a nursing home later in life, right? Everyone, almost everyone envisions themselves at home. 
But it's still a conversation worthy of having because many people stay home and there's still potentially significant cost Correct. to keep them home. And Correct. Some, and actually, a lot of the Medicare programs cover facility costs, but they do not cover at-home care costs. Right. And that's true in Massachusetts, Correct. right? Yeah. So for those people that say, which is almost everybody, um, that I'm never, you know, I'm never leaving my home and I'm never going somewhere if I need care. That's great. I think that's wonderful. But let's plan for that because if that is the case, you're not going to qualify for Medicaid. Correct. Right? You never know right. where life will take you, and you, there right. may be nobody at home to take care of you. Right. You know, if your spouse predeceases you, or maybe God, your children are living across the country, you, you just don't know. Yeah. So again, it's all about risk mitigation, and let's plan for worst case scenario and be pleasantly surprised if. Yeah. So we talked about the different types of. Basically, there's this the traditional or what you call the traditional standalone long-term care policies. Mm -hmm. And then there's also life insurance policies that have a long-term care benefit, which they call those the hybrid policies. Um, but no matter where you go, if you were to uh, take long-term care insurance in one of those forms or the other, um, basically you're you're providing yourself access to a pool of money that you can draw from if you if you, you need, need help services, with two correct. out of six activities of daily living or if you have a cognitive impairment, dementia, uh, Alzheimer's, et cetera. Right. And so, yeah. so, so can you talk us through like the choices that people make when they're thinking about or pricing out a policy? Right. Because I think policy design is really important. It's not... It's um, not one fit. Right. One, right. So unlike life insurance where you say, I'm going to buy a million dollars and I'm going to buy it for 20 years... Um, there are many variables within long-term care insurance. Yeah. Um, the the biggest and the first one is it's all predicated on a daily or monthly benefit. And the difference is it just depends on carrier. So some okay. carriers call it a daily benefit. Some carriers call it a monthly benefit. But the, the result is the same. You're committing to receiving a specific dollar amount for each day that you need services. So we mentioned earlier in the show, average cost of care in the state of Massachusetts is two hundred and eighty dollars. You know, some people buy then they say, "Hey, I want to make sure I'm in a better facility and create a buffer," so they might get a three hundred dollar daily benefit. The second one is your benefit period, and that is unlike what most people think. Um, old policies used to have unlimited benefits, mm. so they would pay for the life yep. of, of of your life, so yep. long as you were needing these services. Unfortunately. Contracts now are only issued with limited benefit periods, so we typically see see between th uh, three, five, or six year benefit periods. So you can pick amongst those, but what yeah. it says is that it will pay you that daily or monthly benefit for at least three, five, or six years. Okay. Um, there's also called the elimination period, and this is narrowed down. There used to be a lot of different elimination period options. I was, I was wondering. It's all I... now. It's it's ninety days. All ninety days. Ninety days. And uh, is it generally all like that 90 day? I remember different carriers had a different definition of it. Like some of them were calendar days versus, yeah, yeah, yeah. versus utilization of service. Days, correct. Yeah. Most of them have all gone to just to, for ease purposes and for making people understand they've gone to calendar days. Okay, that's better actually. It was a little bit dicey yeah. in the yeah, years ago because people weren't realizing it was actually days of service. So if you were only getting services three days a week, it took a lot longer to hit that 90-day yeah. elimination period. But most are, have gone back to just a calendar day. Okay. That's actually... Yeah, and that's better. Yes. Um, and then one of the the biggest cost driver, if I, if I dare say, um, of the, the programs is the inflation protection. Mm -hmm. And we mentioned that briefly is, you know, when these policies first came out, they came with what was called a 5% compound inflation rider. Mm -hmm. And that allowed, so if I had a $100 daily benefit now, it's going to increase to $105 next year. Um, and then it's going to increase to $110.60 the year after that. It's mm -hmm. going to continue to grow so that my benefit that I receive is keeping cost with inflation. Mm -hmm. There was also simple inflation, which mm -hmm. just said if I got $100, it's going to increase by you know $5, Five. every yeah. single year. And then there was no inflation, which means you bought the policy stayed at $100 yeah. for the life of the contract. Yeah. Most people opted for compound inflation because as a savvy individual, I recognize the fact that inflation is going up and cost of care is going up, so I would elect that. Yeah. And the pricing for it used to be relatively competitive. Um, but now, again, as we are sitting in this low interest rate environment, insurance companies have realized that they can't maintain the required reserve to, to offer 5% compound anymore. Yeah. So it's barely offered. There okay. are very few carriers. Most of them have dropped down to 3% compound. Okay. 
Um, and that in and of itself, that inflation protection costs more than the actual daily benefit itself. Say that the inflation protection. So oh, if you okay. look at like if, yeah. when you buy a policy, so, it breaks down and it says, you know, your $100 daily benefit for three years maybe costs $500 a year for the coverage. And then it says, you know, inflation protection is probably another $900 a year yeah, for the okay. coverage. So your total premium is $1,400, yeah. but 900 of it is coming from the inflation protection. Which I, th- I guess that, I mean, that does make sense. Well, first of all, cost of care and healthcare in general has significantly outpaced inflation Correct. in the last 10, 20 years or more. Right. And, and you know, five or six percent increase in cost in the health insurance world, and then the world of care is is that has been the norm, right? Unless that's changed, and I don't no, know about it, but I don't, no. especially not in this inflationary world no. that we're in. Um, and and companies having, and from what I understand, actually digress a little bit. Hard time for um, this is a period of time when caregiving agencies are having a hard time even finding employees. They can't find, staff, they can't find right. workers. Well, I mean, again, it's, um, it's a chronic problem across the nation, across yeah. all industries. Yeah. People are just not working right now. Yeah. And so they're going to have to be raising rate wages to get people Could in the door, which is going costs. to translate to increase in uh, in services, cost for services. Um, but yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, I've actually um, stumbled across people that um, before I knew them, you know, had taken out a long-term care policy and perhaps were, you know, in ill-advised to not take the inflationary increase. And then 10 years goes by and they're only 60 years old. And, and, and what, what are you paying for this policy for? That's Correct. not, yeah. Yeah, you buy it when you're 50 and you think about yeah. this for a second is, you know, again, with utilization age being in the 80s. So you have 30 years on the books of inflation mm. that you're not accounting for. So maybe your $300 daily benefit was meaningful when you were 50. Mm. It's not going to be super meaningful when you're 85. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're foregoing the inflationary uh, option on an insurance policy, on the long-term care policy, you're either pretty Older. Older. older, I should say yeah, older. older. <laughs> yeah, you do hit the point. Seventy-five of, or I seventy-eight, would say seven, even yeah, seventy, even seventy. Okay, um, or you take out like if you took out a large policy relative, but you bought more benefit upfront. Yeah, front. yeah. But I, I'm sure insurance companies are on to that, right? They're probably pricing the pricing. If you're taking out, you know, six hundred dollars a month, I don't even know if you can take that out. Do yeah. you know if you can take out a benefit that high? And, and, and I'm sure if you did that, I'm sure they're going to be priced about the same, like the insurance Correct. companies yeah. would be smart enough to price those um, similar. But yeah, that, I mean, in, inflation coverage on that, I would say is if, if you're not taking that, you, I hope that you're a bit older and um, right. yeah, not a lot of years, but most people should have that. So, okay. So people can choose a, a minute ago, you were talking about, um, so, so daily or monthly benefit is one of your options, options right? Correct. In other words, you know, how much are you buying access to, right? Thinking about the cost of care now. And, you right. know, I, I popped into the Genworth um, cost of care survey last night and kind of looking around at the numbers and they haven't yeah. changed from what I really remember, but average cost in this area of the world uh, in an assisted living was a little north of $6,000 a month, but then nursing home was... Eleven to fourteen thousand dollars, depending on private yeah. room or not, and um, the cost of home care I think is really, really hard to measure because it can be inexpensive. And a lot of it's informal, like it's informal yeah. caregiving. So that also but, is something we yeah. should talk about in long-term care because there are two types of programs. There are what are called reimbursement programs, and there's also what are called indemnity programs. Okay, and there's a very distinct uh, difference between the two. So um, traditional or original policies were all indemnity programs, and what those stated is that. If you need the care, we're going to pay you this benefit regardless of how much you actually utilize. Mm. So if if I have a $100 a day policy and I'm getting a blood draw, someone's coming to my home and, you know, doing blood draw and helping me for an hour or two and it's $50, they still paid me $100. Mm. So I had a finite benefit period because I was only getting $100 for those three years, let's yeah. just say. Yeah. Reimbursement programs say, we're going to reimburse you for the costs of care that you receive. Your actual costs. So okay. in that vein, if it, my costs were only $50 to have the nurse come out, that extra $50 of my $100 daily benefit actually stays in my pool of money mm-hmm. and will continue to grow so that it could extend my benefit period in yeah. essence. Right. So because, and you kind of hit the nail on the head when you said it a bit ago is what you're doing day one with a long-term care policy is creating a pool of money. Mm-hmm. So the first time you pay a premium 
whatever that premium may be, you've in essence created a bucket and that bucket may have $100 a day times you know, 365 days a year for five years. So I'm not smart enough to do the math, but you know, you might have a $150,000 pool of money. I'm yeah. just randomly put that. Yeah. And so if you went out on claim a month later, you would still have access to the $150 even on day one. Right, right. So yeah, I was gonna ask you if most policies these days, are most of them reimbursement policies? Or are most- It's funny because oh, we're going to the that? hybrid. So most traditional policies okay. are- reimbursement policies. When we come to the hybrid policies, which are the life insurance with the long-term care rider, there are carriers that offer both. So Nationwide okay. offers an indemnity program. You know, Lincoln offers a reimbursement program. It just depends. Okay. Um, and there's pros and cons to each, obviously. Um, one other thing to be cognitive, cognizant of <laughs> is, ooh, I can't even speak. Um, <laughs> if you elect for an indemnity program, you are subject to the HIPAA guidelines. So what they state okay. is, even if you have a $20,000 monthly benefit, you can only get so much, and I think it's 14200 or whatever it is right now okay. per month tax-free right. because of HIPAA guidelines. Oh. And that increases each year. That's actually a good point, though, but we didn't touch on that, is that the long-term care benefit that you receive, I guess up to that limit, yeah. is tax-free, tax -free, right? I didn't, I didn't mention that. And I, I potentially long-term care insurance premiums are deductible, but it, it depends on your level depends of income. Depends on your level and, of income and, and your total cost of out-of-pocket yeah. costs for health, uh, for medical programs. That's right. There's like a schedule based yes. on your age and it depends on your other health insurance costs, but they're potentially tax, uh, partially tax deductible or correct can be a little bit tax efficient, but all the, but like you said, I guess I didn't realize there was a limit to it, but generally benefits would be tax-free. That was a correct. pretty high limit. Yes. You just, you yeah. just mentioned. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess long story short is that there are a lot of options. There's a lot that goes yeah. into policy design. Correct. And unlike life insurance, where we always say you want to buy the most for the least, mm -hmm. right? When we sit down and we talk about long-term care insurance, because the costs are so high, it, it you have to kind of dig down a little bit and have a more informed discussion. Okay. So do you really need to cover your total cost of care every day? Do right. you already have assets, right? right? So if we're looking at, let's say for example, you've been successful in saving for retirement and you have a pool of money, mm -hmm. how much are you willing to self-insure and to mm -hmm. be comfortable with that? Mm -hmm. um, because again, let's just use a $300. Let's say it's $300 is the average cost. Maybe you only need 150 to kind of mitigate some of the risk, knowing yeah. that you have the means to cover the other $150. So it's not worth, you know. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like if you're a single person, for example, it's just easy to do the numbers. If you're a single person um, and you'll have social security income, call it a couple thousand dollars a month, and you have um, a sizable amount of assets in retirement and your required distribution will be $4,000 a month, right? Maybe before taxes, then there's already, you know, uh, four or $5,000 a month that if you needed care, you know, some of that could be allocated potentially toward that care, depending on, you know, whether Correct. you were home or, or whatever. But yeah, I, I do. And I've said this so many times, I, I just think it's worth digging into it a little bit and, and start small, right? Cause start with some small numbers. What, what's a, what's a relatively small policy look like in terms of a premium for me? Of course they're individually underwritten and, and you right. have to get quotes in a world where we can get quotes again, yes. <laughs> maybe right. in November or December. Um, but I think it's uh, like a small amount of coverage is just better than none at all. Even if you um, have access to a few hundred thousand dollars potentially of benefit that can protect your portfolio potentially even more than dollar for dollar. Like if you Correct. have access to $300,000 of, of long-term care, of uh, 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 money for long-term care via an insurance policy, like I said, that's likely all tax-free. Correct. Should you take it out? That and in, if you were to use up that policy because you needed care in your future and use up that three hundred thousand dollars in today's dollars, you're you're most likely protecting your portfolio more than dollar for dollar because most people your have most of their assets right. in retirement, right? And so you've got to take out four hundred thousand dollars to get three hundred thousand dollars that you would need for care Correct. if you didn't have the insurance. So you're really protecting it potentially. I shouldn't say. Uh, be, because nobody knows if what the, what their need will quite, quite be, be in this regard, 
um, but but you're really protecting it potentially more than dollar for dollar and from a tax perspective, but also potentially growth in the market's perspective. Correct, right. Um, so so it, 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 it's worth looking into, I just think right. for so many people and um, we'll take a break in a few minutes, but I, I wanted to get into also like who this is appropriate for. Yeah, it's funny because I was just and, going to, to make the point. Um, a lot of times when we sit down and we look at, we, we're many times talking to couples about this type of program. And when we talk about customizing a program, statistically, we know that women are more likely to need long-term care insurance mm-hmm. than men because we tend to live longer. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why our life insurance is, you know, More less expensive. Less oh, sorry, expensive sorry, thank you. Yes, live longer. yes, yes. Yep. So we'll outlive it. Typically, live the insurance. Um, yep. So men's is more expensive. But when it comes to disability insurance, women are more likely to become disabled. So our mm. disability insurance is higher. Okay. So when it looks at long-term care insurance, when rates first came out, they were all gender neutral. Right. So men and women had the same cost. Now that has changed, yeah. and they're gender specific, and yeah. women are almost. Forty percent more than men when it comes to long term. Forty percent more. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So well, well that we, works out for the guys because they don't want to buy it anyway. They don't want to buy it, and statistically, yeah. they don't need it. What happens yeah. is, and again, I'm stuck talking pure statistics. Yeah. Um, is that a male will become disabled or unable to perform the activities of daily living first, and the mm. wife will stay home and care for him. Yeah. And then he will decease. Uh, he will predecease her, yep. right? So she will have used all of her assets, their okay, joint okay, assets, yeah. to cover his cost of care. Yeah. And she'll do it either at home or in a facility, but yeah. she will you know, coordinate all of that, mm. leaving her with diminished assets, mm-hmm. who is going to live remarkably longer, yeah. statistically, yeah. Um, and have, have nothing to fund that. So when we talk about that, we yeah. were strategic in saying, hey, maybe we should provide her with more insurance than you yeah. and get you a baseline little policy, but yeah. have, you know, yeah. again, it's hedging. It's just making an educated, this is all based on educated guesses, right? Yeah. No one knows when they're going to die. No one knows if they're going to get disabled. Nobody knows any of this. Yeah. So we're all just doing this with educated guesses to try to mitigate some of the risk. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. And in my conversations with couples, it's it, quite rare that the male part of that couple would be interested in the insurance at no. all. No, men are invincible, <laughs> but, so yes. yeah. And yeah, and even my dad is like, I was just gonna have a heart attack one day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's just like, I'm just, you my know, dad I'm gonna go quick. Thing. My dad's like, just throw me out in the desert. I'm I like, know. okay, terrible. That's gonna happen. Yeah. But I guess statistically speaking, they're they're correct. And and um, yeah, that. I mean, I don't, what are the sti- But I guess going back to that in my conversations with couples, like yeah, the, the man never wants to pursue the insurance, or rarely wants to pursue the insurance, but generally happy to pursue it for his Her, wife. Correct. Yeah, yes. but but that does make a lot of sense. Well, in understanding that it, it, she, she's internalizing this, typically yeah. the, the wife is internalizing this and understanding that there's a risk and willing to yeah. accept that there's a risk, knowing also that she's going to be the recipient at the end of the risk. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes when I talk with couples, it's kind of like, all right, well, maybe this isn't something that you both need or like you just said, small policy for the man, uh, more robust policy for the female. Or if you're going to pick one, Maybe just ensure the female. Correct. And we also and look at the health. Your bets. We, we yeah. look at the health. So sometimes if the yeah. the female if the wife has issues, maybe it makes sense to buy a bigger policy on the male and have them cover first dollar, mm. right? And that way she can preserve the assets for her. And so use we the look assets. at that. Yeah, yeah. And we could talk about. Are, do insurance companies still um, write policies as shared? No, that they used to have what they called shared care. They oh, don't have that anymore. Oh, no. I loved that. Yeah, oh, I'm so bummed to hear Anything that. Anything that was good is gone. Yeah. Yes. Darn it. <laughs> That's why I tell everybody to put money in a Roth IRA because I'm just so afraid it's going to be gone one day because yeah. it's, it's wonderful and it will be gone one day maybe. Um, but but I digress. Um, but yeah, that's a bummer that those shared policies were, were great where a husband and wife could have a well, small but kind of borrow. Well, they each had an individual policy. Ah, yeah, you could, yeah. whatever I didn't use, you could use type of oh, program. Yeah. Oh, I'm so bummed to hear that. I didn't realize that was the case. Um, all right, we got to take a break in a minute, but... Um, uh, I've been talking with uh, Lisa, I almost called you Lisa Gallagher, Lisa <laughs> Silva with uh, Gallagher Benefit Services. She's an insurance uh, expert, can I call you that? And particularly in the I world guess. of long-term care um, and, and, and benefits, employer benefits. Um, and we've been talking today largely about long-term care insurance as, uh, as a product uh, to potentially protect 
your financial plan or, or your portfolio. I could say it really either way. And the potentially significant cost of, of long-term care is a huge risk to many people. Um, and so we're talking through that today. And, and after the break, we're going to get into um, who this is appropriate for and who right. it might not be appropriate for. Um, and, and certainly it's not one size fits all, which we talked about policy design. But you're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and we're just taking a quick break, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Alyssa Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Your investment strategy should largely be determined by the amount of time you have before needing the money. If you are aggressively invested, time is your friend when it comes to your portfolio recovering from this scary stock market. If you need your invested money soon, it should have been conservative to begin with. If you're not sure how your money is invested, I'd be happy to offer my opinion. 781-834-2010. Thank you for tuning in. Happy weekend, everybody. Um, Talking this morning with Lisa Silva of Gallagher Benefit Services. Lisa's been on the show several times now. Yeah. Three, four, five times. I don't know. You've been around. You've been around the block with me before. But I appreciate your time and expertise in in the world of insurance and and employee benefits. And um, I always love talking about long-term care insurance with you. I know it's one of your expertise. And I just think it's a great thing to get information out to people. Correct. Um, And hopefully people aren't turning it off. Nobody wants to talk about long-term care insurance. Nobody wants to talk about insurance in general. Let's just throw that out there. It's not sexy. It's very not sexy. But... um, um, but it, it's just, this is a good, um, no pressure way to just get Educate. information out there for people. And, um, I, 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 you know, I guess that would segue perfectly into a conversation about who long-term care insurance is appropriate for. It's not appropriate for everybody. It's not affordable for everybody. It's not appropriate for everybody, even for some right. people that can afford it, not necessarily appropriate for. Um, but and it's funny, actually, states have had to... Um, create some due diligence regarding that, meaning uh, it it appears as though in the beginning, uh, brokers were selling long-term care insurance to folks who actually didn't need it. So Mm. they were wasting money on premium dollars Mm. that they were not actually going to reap because they were going to be covered under other programs. So there are questionnaires that are part of every application now to make sure that you know your consumer, you know your person that you're selling the insurance to, and that they understand Mm. kind of what they're buying. I've met one, I can think of one. I don't know if I've met more than one, but I've met at least one person throughout my career who purchased, who was sold, excuse me, a long-term care policy where I really didn't think it was appropriate for. She couldn't afford it. She didn't have uh, the the assets of the size where I thought it made sense to spend this amount of money to protect assets of that size and she was struggling to afford it. And and I don't run into that very often, of course, of course, the amount of people that have this insurance isn't isn't Correct. is a high is not a high percentage of people. But um, but yeah, that's it, it's good to know that there are some protections in place that you know the insurance uh, commissioner or the or the government or states are are putting in place to make sure that they're not sold inappropriately. Correct, which is because it's not appropriate for everybody. Um, but I just put together some, um, you know, uh, s- hypothetical scenarios, right? Okay. And so we thought we could talk through, you know, our opinions regarding whether or not uh, for this particular person slash couple, uh, whether it's appropriate for. So first one is, um, I don't know if this one's, a, I guess, single person. Retired on a fixed income, not much in the way of financial assets, and cash flow is fairly tight. Well, that would be a no. No, <laughs> I know. We start, I thought we'd start with like, an easy I one. I like it. That was a nice. I thought we'd start ball, with so an easy one. Right. Um, so yeah, we're we're we're. Th- I think this is really appropriate for people that have assets to protect. Correct, and it, it typically it it's a pretty finite. Either you have a, you have to have like almost a sweet spot, if you will. Mm-hmm. So if you have under X amount of assets, we probably don't need to be having this discussion. Or if you have over X amount of assets, you could probably self-insure comfortably. Yeah, yeah. And I did kind of want to get into that a little bit. And it's hard to throw actual numbers at Correct. it because it also depends on not just the size of the assets, but the, the the withdrawal rate or the projected rate of withdrawal from the portfolio. Um, you know, if it's a if it's a um, you know, million dollar portfolio, for example, but it's going to be drawn down potentially quickly, then maybe not. Or, or if it's a half a million dollar portfolio, but they don't need anything from it, then maybe that's their pool of money. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. So for someone on like a, a, a fixed income with not much in the way of assets behind them, whether it's a pension and or social security, 
um, and and um, then, then probably the, not necessarily appropriate because you're the already perfect have, candidate for Medicaid, correct? Yeah, they, they have income that can pay for s- s- certain things potentially, but but a good um, person to qualify for Medicaid because that's an asset based application, correct? Right. Um, all right. How about this? Is a tricky one. Ready? I'm ready. A married couple mm-hmm. with sizable assets. Okay. Let's call it two million dollars. Okay. But no kids. Of course, it depends, right? I was right? going to how old they are. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, they're 60. Okay. Uh, they're thinking about retiring in two to five years. That, that's a, that's that's a tricky a, this one. This is a tricky one because, there, again, it comes down to this. Yeah. So are we looking at, do either of them have any health issues? Yeah. Is this something that, you know... Um, Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we look at familial issues at this mm-hmm. point too, right? So do we know historically, um, that is a tough one. I know. I'm going to, yep. you know, I probably need a little bit more, but I would, I'd, I'd almost be inclined to say that they probably don't, Yeah. but it really depends. Yeah. Um, I would have to know a little bit more. I would say, of course. I mean, right. Of course it's not a blanket right. answer, but yeah, for people that... It just seems that the people that this is most appropriate for, the people that actually are interested in this insurance have kids that they want, want to, to preserve pres- assets, assets for. Right. Yeah. Because again, in a perfect world, if you didn't have any one that you were beholden to, right, or that you were tr- looking to leave yeah. a legacy for, you would spend every single yeah. dollar that you made in your life. And, yeah. and on day one, uh, day zero, when you die, you kick the bucket, you have zero dollars in your bank account. Right. That's ideal, right? <laughs> right. You're living life to the fullest. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, that's not the case for most people. And they have children that they want to leave mm. some type of legacy for. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that vein, want to leave some of their assets that they've worked so hard to preserve. Yeah, this might make sense. Yeah. I mean, this, that's where long-term care insurance does come to, yeah. to, to help present. Yeah. I don't know that I, ha- I don't know that I have any clients that have chosen to pursue long-term care if they don't have kids. Um, can you think of anybody? I actually do. I have yeah. several. Um, and I have several clients that don't have children. And a lot of times these are same same sex marriages. Okay. Um, because they're just looking to mitigate, to make sure that there's somebody there to protect either sure. one of them sure. and to make sure that they're afforded uh, because you never know what's going to happen with, um, you know, government issued benefits or yeah. whatnot, and whether or not you know the true definition of if they're going to be considered married or not. Again, this yeah. is, this has been evolving, right? right? So they just wanted to make sure that they were protected. Yeah. So actually, own. your yeah. comment before about our our discussion a little bit ago about so kids or not, your discussion a little bit ago about whoever if if uh, if if it's a married couple and assets are used. Um, if a significant amount of assets are used to care for one member of the couple and then they pass, leaving the second member of the couple with diminished assets, right? Yeah. Then, then that's doesn't matter if they have kids or not. That's a risk. What does the financial life look like of that person, the that member of the couple who outlives the other? Correct. And right? then you're putting and not not just in essence from a, forcing them into potentially into a, a Medicaid f- position, right? Um, and that's yeah. not even just about about whether they need care or not and what assets they have, but that's just like their quality of life, life anyway, living, the right. ability to travel, ability to um, renovate their home if it needs it or upkeep the home, you know, right. so so that's a, that's an even bigger discussion. Um, but in, in, a, in that example where, you know, maybe there was a couple million dollars in the portfolio and hopefully they're not drawing it down too quickly, then, then there's potentially enough there for them to self-insure if correct um if if one or or both were to need some amount of care do you know the statistics lisa regarding um if we're thinking if we're talking about a married couple like the chance of at least one member of the couple needing care versus if we're talking about a single person right i because I, I always try to explain that to a married couple like if i well, look at if one I'm person if, uh, from an individual yeah. perspective you're sixty. You're sixty percent likely to need okay. to use the cost of your long term. You're sixty percent likely to need long term care services in your lifetime. Okay. All right. So you have a pool of two people, and they're both sixty percent likely. Yeah. What does that translate to? I, I don't, don't know. know. I would say <laughs> probably like eighty. I was going to say eighty percent. Yeah, because it's like you can look at one person. You could say, okay, there's more than a fifty percent chance that you 
would need some sort of help in, in your daily life in the future, right? But if you're looking at two people, greater probability yeah, that at least, least one, one of you, which is why those shared care the policies where they were, were great. So great. They were great. Yeah. Oh, nobody out there doing that anymore, huh? The insurance companies were on to it. It was yes. too good to be true. Um, yeah, so that's like, it's. I feel like that's kind of hard to explain, but like when you're talking to a married couple that will, one of we you don't is know going, which one, but one of you is going to need this. Yeah, right. but unfortunately, like you said now, um, long-term care is totally individually Correct. underwritten. Yeah, there's, no, there's not even, like, yeah. you know, there yeah. are still like couples discounts or, you know, married discounts um, that are okay. offered because they do, yeah. insurance companies understand that you're going to be less likely or less quick to file a claim if you are married or have a significant other. And they call them couples discounts now. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, because they assume there's that still somebody helping you at home, yeah. right? So in the yeah. beginning, you're not going right into usually an assisted living facility. Yeah. You're going to kind of slowly, gradually. So they're going to, yeah. in essence, assume some of the risk in the beginning. So yeah. they're going to hedge that. I've seen that before with um, not even uh, significant others, but like people that are just li- cohabitating, sisters, for example, Correct. cohabitating, you can get a discount for be- cohabitating with someone that potentially is there to caregiver. help you yeah. a- a- as a, a, at least a part-time caregiver. All right, how about this scenario? Um, married couple with kids, um, size, well, maybe, I guess this is maybe the same. Oh, no, 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 married couple with kids, sizable assets, let's call it a million, $2 million in a portfolio. Um, they're with, they're retired. Their rate of withdrawal from the portfolio is relatively low, two percent, three percent. Yeah, then I would su- say they would probably be candidates. Yeah. I mean, again, it, yeah, it depends. Without some people don't want to, don't care yeah. about their kids. Some people really, <laughs> some people are like, my kids do better than I do. They exactly. make more money. Exactly. I, I don't need to leave yeah. them enough. Yeah. I don't need to leave them. I didn't. Right. I wasn't left. And again, <laughs> yeah, these are all individual choices. Yeah. This is what you wish to do. As an individual or yeah. as a couple, so in that scenario, yes, those, yeah. that's that's pretty like a likely candidate of somebody that I would yeah. look to long-term care insurance for. Yeah, yeah, somebody that has assets to protect, someone or multiple people that they're interested in protecting them for. Correct, and they can af- I, I mentioned a low draw from the portfolio because I would translate that. I would say, said differently. They could afford the premiums. They could afford. Yes, right. Like if they have to take. If they take a little bit more out of the portfolio in order to pay those premiums annually or monthly, and it's still keeping their rate of draw relatively low and, and likely sustainable long term, term then then that's a that's affordable to them. Correct. And um, you and know, I so, also look at that the flip way. If you're taking a low withdrawal rate, you still have that pool of money that you could access. Yep, and it's growing it's, right because your your yep. principal is remaining intact. Yeah. at that point, so you could utilize that to fund your costs of care. So yeah. yep. again, it really. It's a discussion and it's, yeah. a, and it's a personal preference. Well, all yeah. of this is a personal preference. At the end of the day, I, I tell people all the time, insurance is a luxury, yeah. right? It's something, as we talked about, it's the love letter. It's none of this is required. This is all stuff that you are comfortable with. How much mm. risk are you as an individual comfortable withholding? Some people are fine. They're, they're going through life, living their, yeah. their best life, don't have any insurance. I think many times when you have children, that's a very irresponsible approach. Yep. Um, but everyone to each their own. Yeah. Um, but some people are real concerned over these issues. And yeah. so, you know, the, trying to pick a person who's a good candidate for long-term care based solely on numbers is difficult because everybody, yeah. it's a personal choice. Actually, as I was preparing for this show today, I um, thought up my next show, which I'm going to hopefully do in a, in a couple of weeks. Um, what risks are you willing to take? It's a great one. Because we can approach that from the insurance angle, from yeah. market risk, from inflation risk, yeah. uh, all, all sorts of um, risks we can talk about. So stay tuned, everybody. I like that. Um, yeah. So, all right. Let, let's let's digress from that for a moment. Obviously, uh, long-term care insurance isn't appropriate for everybody. There are certain people that I think it's very appropriate for. Um, and uh, yeah, again, and not one size fits all. And I, I do want to encourage people to just look into it and get some information and ask some questions, questions. and get some quotes when we can get quotes again and right. and all those things. And, would, and before I, you write it off, just right. get and some info. And before you freak out, I want to also yeah. say this to those individuals that are fortunate enough to already have this in their portfolio. Um, don't freak out when you see the premium increases. I right. know they're coming fast and furious. I, I right. know, I think uh, Unum just came out with a rate increase mm. across the board. So I'm getting calls from clients that have the existing coverage. Um, 
it is proven that even though they are increasing their rates, your product is still remarkably mm. less expensive than if you were to go to try to buy it in the marketplace today. Yeah, I have long-term care because I bought it when I was... I'm an insurance nerd, Yeah, well-documented, totally. and I wanted to see kind of how it worked and how it would work for me, and I'm a single mom, too, yeah. so I wanted to make sure. Yeah. At the time, I was married, but I, I've maintained it because, again, as a single mom, I wanted to make sure yeah. that my kids, I didn't want them to bear the burden yeah. of taking care of me, so um, I have persistently taken that increase because my thought is every year when I look at it, I just say, oh, because, you know, if I ever canceled it, that's when yeah. I would need yeah. services. Yeah. And, you know. How old were you when you bought it? I was 33. Were you? I got it under a group contract because I actually couldn't get it now. Uh, you have to be 40 in order to get it now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I did get it under an employer-sponsored paid group, uh, employer -sponsored group contract. I paid for the premiums. Okay. So I, I'm glad you brought that up because one of my questions for you before we have to go in 10 or 12 minutes is, um, I digress for a moment, the cost of waiting. I wanted to talk about um, when... When, in your opinion, should people be looking to take out this coverage? Yeah. And and the cost of waiting, because it's not just... So the, the cost of waiting, well, from multiple angles, right? So um, if you wait too long, something can come up in your medical life. Right. That I guess, yeah, a lot of times it's not you. monetary. It's, yeah, yeah, it's outside influences, right? So if yeah. you're uninsurable, right. for example, or even as we've seen... All of a sudden, the good stuff, the, the very robust products that you wanted are no longer available. Yes. Right. So my long-term care insurance policy that I purchased has an unlimited benefit. Oh, my gosh. Because You're I bought it. never so, yeah, dropping that. I would never drop it. No. There, no. That's, yep. That's a unicorn. It is. Wow. I have a purple unicorn. Yeah. You know, it's funny because um, even my father um, purchased the purple unicorn um, back in the day, and he he begrudgingly pays, you know, their increases. And I'm like, Dad, but look at this pool of money that yeah. you have available yeah. to you. Unlimited benefit, 5% compound inflation. And, awesome. you know, you're 74 now and you're paying $2,200 a year. It's crazy yeah. how inexpensive and it you was. You and I know that that's really inexpensive. Yeah. I, I thought about taking it out of my 30s, but I didn't. And I was just starting to wonder, like, I should probably do that at some point. Um, but what, what's like, in your opinion, what's a great age just for people to start looking at it? I mean, 40s is still pretty young unless it it's a group plan. It is relatively young. And yeah. a group plan or, and I tell people if, with these hybrid contracts, it might make sense. Again, mm. for a traditional standalone individual long-term care, I typically not in your 40s. Mm -hmm. But if you're considering life insurance, mm -hmm. it might make sense to include the LTC rider in it. Because Absolutely. then you, you know two birds, one stone, yeah. right? You've, you've accomplished both. So typically, you know, if I'm a little old fashioned, you start having, get married, have kids in your late 20s, early 30s. By the time you're 40, you've kind of experienced life events, right? Mm -hmm. Your children are older. You're starting to look at like retirement planning. What am I mm -hmm. going to want to be doing long term? That's when, you know, that you kind of start having the discussions of, do I want to keep my term insurance? Because my kids are older, mm -hmm. right? And usually until early 50s, that's when you're having that discussion. My kids are older. A lot of the risk I had associated with raising them mm -hmm. is gone. My income replacement ratio need has diminished because yeah. I only have like 10, 15 more years of working. What am I going to do now as far as my life insurance goes? And that's when I said, might, this might be the time to yeah. have this discussion because if you want to maintain some life insurance beyond retirement, why wouldn't we include this little LTC rider in there for very low cost Absolutely. Yeah. to make sure that you... I think when kids are through college or when that financial, I guess I'm going to use the word burden. burden. I'm sorry, yeah. it is. Um, but w when when you've got that under control, hopefully yes. people sort of quickly get that under control or when your kids are through college and it's paid for or and or, you know, they're paying for it or, or whatever. I think it's a good time to transition focus to 100%. something like this. I think you know, mid fifties, maybe, um, hopefully when you're, you know, still working, cash flow is good, Correct. but I don't have this looming, uh, financial 40, burden. That's college, right? right? Well, think that's about that. It's yeah. You're paying 30, 40, $50,000 a year out of pocket to cover college. Mm -hmm. If you're fortunate enough to be in that position, mm -hmm. think of it once that's over parlay, a small percentage of <laughs> yeah, that right. into protecting your assets yeah. in a different way, in a different, you know, in a meaningful way, because again, it could provide a life insurance benefit as well as the long-term care rider. Yeah, and so what's happened in the world of long-term care insurance, as we've talked, sort of alluded to a couple times, is 
not just it, it it hasn't just been that prices have increased as people age right so we, we would expect price to increase premiums to increase as you get a year older right that's the same with life insurance but well, it's if you more, buy it from the date so when you buy well just to clarify when you buy a policy your rate is locked in so it doesn't increase each year as you age it's right set. thank you yeah, it, yeah. yeah i guess i meant like if you were um, let's say at 50, you're like, yeah, I should look at long-term care, but you wait till 51. Oh, I'm going to look at it next year, 52. I'm going to look at it next year, right? So every year that you kick that can down the road, yeah. number one, prices going up because you're a year older, year older but also number two, health insurance, health, health reasons, correct. right? But you and I know that in this world of long-term care premiums, premiums are just going up by nature of the fact that insurance companies are pricing them higher. Correct. Because they're understanding, getting a better understanding as the years go on about how, utilization. About, thank you, Correct. utilization, how much their, what their burden is, Correct. right? And, again, and, and what they're paying out in claims. Right. And I think going forward, they're going to be much more conservative in regards to what they assumed that their rate of return was going to be. So mm-hmm. again, they were throwing 5% compound everywhere mm. uh, in the beginning and now you pay hefty you for a 3% compound. Um, yeah. So I think that does play into it as well. So it's yeah. wherever the financial market is going to be. Uh, Fair enough. And and I guess the fourth, the fourth cost of waiting that I would add is... Um, like you and I talked about, is that some of the great the features are yes. going away. Yeah. They're just going away. What's going to be the next great one to go away? Compounding inflation at all. Correct. Could go away. It could just transition totally to simple, simple. inflation. Maybe no more 3% compounding inflation. Maybe 90 days goes to 120 days. I mean, I, I don't know what's going to go away next. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Speculated. But but I, there I, there's a cost to wait beyond just the fact that you're a year older and it would be a little bit more expensive right. as a result anyway, but there's there's much there's more other to opportunity it. costs, if you will. Oh, Those I love are it. Opportunity oh, costs. that's a great yes. way to say that, Lisa. <laughs> um, I had a thought and then I lost it. What was it? I was going to say something brilliant. Oh, it was going to be brilliant. Well, it's, it's been an hour and uh, 53 minutes of brilliance, so I'm going to run out of steam at some point. <laughs> Come on, there's um, a, all right. hours and hours worth of conversation <laughs> as far as long-term care insurance goes. Oh. We made that as exciting as we possibly can, I think. And, I, I and, agree. And I would Interesting. Disagree. And um, all right. What else? We've got six or seven minutes. What What else do we need to cover? Um, cost of waiting. Oh, I guess I just wanted to, again, we would really need two hours to really talk through this. But some people think um, that, the, that there are certain legal avenues that people can pursue to protect some of their assets if they need uh, long-term care. I guess I just, without getting into too much detail, just because we don't have time and we've done entire shows on this subject before, mm-hmm. these irrevocable trusts and things, and many people put homes in them and Correct. Uh, uh, nursing home trusts, they call them or whatever. But I, I just, I like to point out that it's not like a replacement for um, what long-term care insurance can do. It, Correct. It's just, no. it's, to, it's totally different. It's and different. some people think, well, like kind of it's simple as, I'm not going to take the insurance. I'm just going to pursue the legal avenue. But it's like it's it's just a totally different solution. Very different. And um, well, and again, less restrictive in a lot of the ways. Again, with the the legal solutions, you know, you're foregoing assets. You're giving up and gifting them, and and walking away with kind of nothing in order to 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 meet a a long term goal at the end of the the day. Um, The insurance is you're acquiring an asset to help mitigate some of the risks. Yeah. Oh, you said that nicely. Oh, you must be in the insurance world. (laughs) Funny how that works. Um, Having said that, there certainly have been times where I've advised clients that the legal avenue may be best for you. Like you and I talked about, the insurance isn't appropriate for everybody. It is not, no. Um, and, And some people... Um, I think the legal avenue is appropriate if they don't need that equity in their home, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I, I kind of just, I guess I just like to point out that it's just, it's not apples to apples. It, no. it, it, it's totally different ways to think about a potential problem. Um, and it comes down to, again, the people that are sitting across the table from you when you're having this conversation. It's all a personal preference. Yeah. Some people would hate the idea of giving giving away control of their home or giving away yeah. some of their biggest assets, knowing that they may maintain them for or live in them or um, 
for 10, 20 years still, but yeah. now it's not theirs. Yeah. Right. People have a hard time with that. Same as people, sometimes people have a hard time well, they ad- should, yeah. addressing their morbidity or their mortality. Yeah. They're having that uncomfortable discussion. Do you know like what percent of Americans have long-term care insurance? It's like really small, right? It's, it's like 3% it's very small. or 5%. Yeah, it's very, I, it's, I don't, I don't want to say that I know, yeah. but I, I... It's in the single digits, I'd I feel like. I'd be 99% sure that it's less than 10%. I can't remember if that statistic was on the population as a whole or on like people over a certain age. Okay. I want to say it was like 1% of the population as a whole and like 5% of people over 50 or something yeah, or something like that. It was pretty crazy. Um which it, given the population if you think about it and all the baby boomers coming to age now where they're going to start needing those services the fact mm. that less than, you know, 1% of them have it is mm. interesting. It is, and there's and there's a, a huge disconnect because um, very few people have it, but everybody, almost everybody, comes to a point in life where they want, where they, they wish they it. had it. Oh yeah, and unfortunately, or, or the family wishes they had it. Correct, and unfortunately, yeah. when you hit that point, it's past the point of no return. It's too late. I say that all the time to people. I said, you know, we could be ha- we're having this discussion now because ten years from now, when you come home from the doctor and they've said something to you that's yeah. adverse, you're going to want to call me and it will be too late. I know. Yeah. All right. Well, all we can do is get information out to people and exactly. continue having discussions one-on-one where we think is appropriate. And um, yeah, I can remember even my dad, who's a financial advisor, you know, as probably 10 years ago or more, um, you know, we were having that conversation about about long-term care insurance for him. And he, even he didn't want to, he didn't yeah. want to take out a policy. And he was like, ah, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to go one day in my sleep or what, I forget what he said, but, um, but he, he did, t- he did take the insurance. Um, but yeah, sort of regrettably so. <laughs> yeah. But um, no. yeah, it's just one of those things that probably is very suitable for a lot of people, but not often pursued, unfortunately, for financial for reasons. Financial. And, right. and yeah. Anyway, is what it is. Hope that was helpful. Um, yeah, just wanted to make people aware. And I, you know, I do this one-on-one with my clients again when when where I see appropriate that you know making them aware of. Um, hey, we've put together a, you know hopefully for for most of my clients a financially successful like successful financial plan right or Correct. potentially yeah. a hopefully successful and but you know just making them aware that this this is potentially a huge risk right. you know this I mean, can you blow have, up a retirement plan you like, have a million dollars yeah hundred thousand dollars a year it's going to eat away at that pretty yeah. quickly yeah. yeah or more like yeah. fourteen grand a month twenty grand a month in some instances for home care like yeah. it, it really can really can add up anyway hope that was helpful. Uh, we, we were talking today with Lisa Silva with Gallagher Benefits. You can find her at AJG.com. Thank you very much. Um, I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You can find out more about me at McNamaraFinancial.com. Uh, hope that was helpful information uh, for today. I Always the goal to provide helpful information. Have a great weekend, everybody. Take Be care. Well. See Have you next weekend. time. Bye-bye. Thanks, Lisa.